today's topic, overcoming depression through healthy living with Jendai A. Stafford. Welcome to episode 13. Today's topic is actually overcoming depression through um, healthy living. And the favorite part I would love to hear is how to boost one's health using ginger, um, lemon and honey. So no more coffee. <laughs> You're listening to Smarty Talks Podcast. We'll be right back. Get ready to discover yourself, grow, and transform your world here at Smiley Talks with your host, Joseph Paul Smile. Good morning. I am Joseph Paul Smile, the CEO of Smiley Marketing Agency and your host for Smiley Talks. Smiley Talks is super laser focused at helping you discover yourself, grow your business, and transform your world by connecting you to countless entrepreneurs, coaches, business experts, and professionals that are well experienced in business, health, or relationship matters. Welcome to Smiley Talks. Today on Smiley Talks, we have Jendai A. Stafford. So um, Jendai will be helping us today on how to overcome depression through healthy living. Jendai, you're very welcome. Hi. So um, like you said, I'm Jendai A. Stafford, and I am a holistic whole body care coach. So I have a little bit of my background. I am from the state of Virginia (laughs) in the United States, and I joined the military a few years back, ended up in Washington State. Uh, Once I got medically retired from the Navy, I ended up working as a therapist. So I have a master's degree in psychology, a master's in developmental psychology, and a master's in organizational leadership. Um, I'm also a licensed minister. So going on, just kind of making this short, um, I wanted to do more for clients that I was seeing for my patients when I was doing therapy. And so when patients come to see me as a therapist, I had to stay in that role. I couldn't help them with any eating. Um, I couldn't help them with spirituality or anything like that. I had to keep the hat of the therapist on. And so I realized that I wasn't fulfilling, I guess, my true calling, if you will, because I wanted to help the whole person. And so I ended up creating my own thing, which is the holistic whole body care coaching. And I took all of the training and all of the knowledge that I have, and I developed that. So I'm super excited to be here and to share my knowledge with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited to have you on. We're super excited. Well, moving on, you see, um, today's topic is something that a lot of teenagers, even young adults, uh, suffering. You know, depression can lead to every other kind of disease. Um, at the same time, having a disease can lead people to depression, or an infection can lead people to different um, depression. I, I read your story on how you were able to overcome this very dangerous thing called depression. I also want to know today, you know, how can you explain to us what depression really means um, before we jump right into every other matter that relates to this? Um, that's a good question. So I know depression, people kind of use that loosely. Um, you know, if we're having a bad day or we've had a bad couple of days, people are like, oh, I'm so depressed. And that's not necessarily the case. Like you're just having some bad days, you're having sad moments. And so um, I'm actually going to read what the definition is of depression. So 
As a therapist, we use something called a DSM, which is a diagnostical statistical manual. And that pretty much lets us know, um, it gives the definitions for all the diagnoses and what somebody has to have according to the, the criteria in order to be diagnosed with that. Um, but let me see, I pull it up on my phone because I don't want to miss misread it because it's so misconstrued and misunderstood. Um, but depression is a common but very serious mood disorder. It can cause severe symptoms um, that affect how you feel, how you think, how you handle your daily activities, such as sleeping, eating, or working. And according to the DSM-5, which is the current uh, manual that we use, the following are considered to be depressive disorders. So you have depression itself, and then you have different disorders that fall under it. So you have disruptive mood disorder, um, major depressive disorder, dysthymia, seasonal affective disorder, and postpartum depression. And so how I like to explain this to people is the way that we can figure out which of those disorders under depression you have is there's a certain time, like the time that you have to have certain symptoms, and there's different situations that would classify you as being one depressive symptom over the other. So postpartum depression and seasonal affective disorder, yes, they fall under depression, but obviously they're two different things. Postpartum depression is something um, that a woman who just gave birth would have. So that's the only person who would ever have postpartum depression um, because there's a, a surge of hormones that you have as you're carrying your baby. And then once the woman gives birth, you get rid of all those hormones all at once and it can lead into a deep depression. Whereas seasonal affective disorder is when people typically get depressed, you see it more times in the winter. Um, that's because there's a lack of sunlight. People aren't going outside and doing activities that they enjoy because the weather's um, you know, bad or whatever the case may be. There's not a lot of sun, like I said, so you're not getting your vitamin D that you usually do. Um, a lot of people go outside in the summertime, you know, barefoot and have fun and things like that. So that's actually grounding your body. So you're not doing that in the winter, which also can create the um, depressive symptoms. So hopefully that explained it. <laughs> it sure does with the terms. <laughs> it sure does. Okay, you see, depression is something I think um, a lot of individuals, not even minding what they do, their field or kind of work, have suffered. And maybe it, it might be in their marriage, health, or business. But generally, what are the signs of light and chronic depression? You know, how can you determine that you, you know, say someone is having a light depression or someone is having a chronic? Or is there a way of measuring it or something? There is. So again, um, we use the DSM to kind of determine where you are and is this actually depression. So typically for depression, you have to be experiencing um, certain symptoms for, I'd say probably about but two weeks. Sometimes it can be three to six months. You have to have certain um, certain symptoms that you're experiencing. So as I read through my book again, um, some of the common symptoms that you'll see with depression are persistent sadness or anxiousness or feeling empty, feeling hopeless, irritable, feeling guilty, um, loss of interest in things that you used to be interested in or used to give you pleasure, uh, difficulty sleeping, difficulty concentrating, thoughts of death or suicide. And so actually, just real quick, I did throw some stuff on the board. I'm gonna adjust the camera a little bit, so hopefully you guys can see it. 
Um, there you go. Hopefully you guys can see. Let me see, maybe I'll turn it a little bit. There we go. So the way that I always explain it is there's so many different uh, highs and lows of depression. And so over here, you guys can still see, um, as you see across the board, there's these blue lines. These blue lines that go through the middle are kind of your homeostasis, so that's your baseline. So anything above that is gonna be known as a high, so that's when you're like happy, excited, elated, things like that. Anything below those blue lines are your lows, so that's when you'll find like sadness, emptiness, depression, suicidal thoughts. And so the way I explain how to measure this to people is you have over here on this side, you have like your normal or typical person. And so as you see, let me turn the camera a little more so you can see it a little better. Um, as you see, you have highs and lows. Some periods of high are, you know, kind of high and then you have lows that are a little lower. Um, that's normal, like that's, that's typical. Like, so throughout the day, I'm not gonna be super happy about everything. Like right now I'm super excited that I, you know, on this podcast to get to share this knowledge with you guys. So that would be considered a normal high. Um, we have bad weather coming later today. So, and I'm not a fan of snow. So that would kind of put me in a little low, but it's not like life or death. It's not, I'm not super overly excited and I'm not super terribly depressed. Um, this right here, this is an example. Let me see if I can turn this. Try to keep the glare off the board. Um, but if you can see the red line here, it goes really high and then really low. So this is somebody who would be considered bipolar experiencing uh, manic depression. So that means like one minute they are super high, super excited, super pumped. I mean like over the top, like they just got told they're going to Disney World. And then within the next few hours, they're having suicidal thoughts trying to kill themselves. And so their highs go very high and their lows go very low. So you'll see that in a person who has manic depression and bipolar. And then the last one over here is called dysthymia. So this is a condition that not a lot of people know of. Um, I like to refer to it as the Eeyore syndrome. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Winnie the Pooh and know the character Eeyore. Um, so dysthymia, a person who's dysthymic, and again, this does fall under depression, but a person who's dysthymic, you see the baseline here, they never really get too happy, they never get really sad. So they have a very flat affect, which is why I refer to it as the Eeyore syndrome, because it's kind of like, um, you know, when they'd be like, oh, you know, how are you doing today, Eeyore? He's like, oh, I'm good, I lost my tail, right? Like that's a sad moment for him. Or it's like, hey, we're throwing a party for Christopher Robbins, and he's like, oh, I'm so excited I could jump for joy. Like it's very flat affect, it's very much the same. So there are no true highs and lows for them. Um, so as <laughs> explaining those, if you're kind of, again, having like, adjust the camera. If you're having like some good moments, some sad moments, that doesn't necessarily mean you're depressed. Um, depression, I would say, I would start to look at true depression if you were having more of the lows and more of the sad periods than you were happy periods. And I mean, for typically about two weeks, if you notice that there has been nothing um, that's really getting you excited anymore, the things that used to make you happy, you're not enjoying anymore, and that's been lasting for about two weeks to a month, then I would say it's probably time to um, 
get help. Talking about that graph right now, can someone kind of be um, turned from, you know, the dystasia symptom or what is it called there? I think oh, dysthymia. Okay, dystamia. Did I get that? Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So with a D syndrome, right? Um, can someone actually kind of switch to become a normal, you know, kind of um, person in terms of, you know, the mood, as you mentioned, the first graph that you showed us? Okay, that's a really good question. Um, I personally, I don't know. I would say that you could have them be more towards a normal or typical individual. However, when I think of dysthymia, even though it falls under a category of depression, you're going to find that it probably goes in line with a personality disorder as well. So a lot of these disorders do go hand in hand with other disorders. And for somebody to have such a flat affect all the time, typically when you see dysthymia, that's going to be a personality disorder that's attached to that. Um, so I, I would say not necessarily. However, I'm sure there's a rare case out there where, you know, somebody like myself who's kind of bubbly has these periods where they are in a dysthymic state. And then, yes, it is possible for me to get back to my normal or typical self. Okay. Okay. Great. Right. I mean, super great. <laughs> you know, the, according to um, World Health Organization, it is estimated that 4.4% of the global population suffer from depressive disorder mm -hmm. and 3.6 from anxiety disorder. So that's about 338 million people, 800,000. They are uh, suffering from depressive disorder and 277 million people are suffering from anxiety disorder. I know that's a lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so I want to know what is the difference between anxiety and depression? Okay. So um, again, just reading it because I want to be very clear. Um, the definition for anxiety is nervousness and apprehension. Um, so we know that typically nervousness and apprehension are natural responses to stress, um, but a disproportionate level of nervousness and apprehension and fear lead to what is known as anxiety. So when you are um, trying to think of an example, so, okay, roller coasters, right? I love roller coasters. <laughs> I love the whole dropping down the hill, going in the circle and the loop. <laughs> so that gives me, but that gives me like anxiety, but not, um, not in a true definition of anxiety. So I do get this like excited nervousness, but it's not overwhelming. Now, even though I'm getting this excited nervousness about getting on this roller coaster that's about to drop 60 feet at 100 miles an hour, that's a normal response to my stress. However, when you're looking at anxiety, for somebody who truly had anxiety, the thought of getting on a roller coaster would be petrifying. They it would like absolutely the fear overcomes them. Like just looking at the roller coaster would make them nervous, even though they're not the ones on it. They're not ever going on it. They're way too afraid to get on it. Just the idea of being on it is paralyzing almost. And then they, their thoughts start running to where it's like, oh, well, if I get on it, then it's going to fall. It's going to crash. We're going to get stuck. So then they start racing into these other, um, thoughts that, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda, it might happen, but it might not. So then that's when you start getting into the anxiety. Um, and some of the 
diagnoses that fall under anxiety are generalized anxiety disorder, panic, panic disorder, agoraphobia, which is like the fear of leaving your home. So your anxiety is so intense that you don't even want to leave your house. You're listening to smart And then you have separation podcast. anxiety and then we'll phobias. Right so like arachnophobia, that's, that's one of mine. Uh, that's the fear of spiders, in case you don't know. Terrified of spiders. I mean, I have almost wrecked my vehicle <laughs> trying to run away from a spider in my car, you know, driving down the road, running across the windshield. So I call myself running from it with the wheel. And so, I mean, I've almost taken my car clean out along with the other drivers. So um, you have different phobias like that. So that one for me is very real. <laughs> um, but again, the way you determine which category of anxiety you have is based on what the symptom is and based on uh, the situation. So for me, I do have anxiety. I have panic attacks. Um, so I was, again, I was in the military. So being overseas, I worked with weapons. So I worked with guns, bombs, torpedoes, missiles, things like that. So there have been things that I was exposed to that kind of give me anxiety. Um, and so there's certain things like fireworks get me anxious. I don't like being around fireworks anymore. Um, and so that will create a panic attack where I actually start, my chest feels like it's getting tight. I have blacked out before from a panic attack. I have gone and hyperventilated. I'll start crying at Walmart. I, I cannot stand that store. <laughs> it definitely brings on anxiety and so I will like start panicking in Walmart and start crying and you know and I don't necessarily know what it is about Walmart and especially as a therapist I've tried to track it and pinpoint it but I think it's just I feel claustrophobic almost in Walmart and I don't understand why it could be the people that go there I don't know <laughs> but um, so when you're dealing with anxiety it's going to be like this overwhelming sense of, of fear um, feelings of restlessness, um, being easily fatigued, irritable, muscle tension, um, difficulty controlling your feelings of worry. So when you're talking about true anxiety, you're talking about like this overwhelming sense of worry. You're listening to Smarty Talks Podcast. We'll be right back. Jindai A. Stafford is giving out an amazing book which she wrote. She'll be telling us more about the book and she'll be telling you how you can grab your free copy. Stay, Stay tuned. tuned. Yeah, okay, so the book is My Mental Health Matters, an introduction to mental health. So I <laughs> have it in my mind to do a whole series um, within the My Mental Health Matters. So it's a My Mental Health Matters series of books. Um, it's the first one, it's an introduction to mental health. Um, for that book, I just kind of break down the different types of um, comic diagnoses, like so depression, like what depression really is, anxiety, different um, coping skills, like people don't know what coping skills are. Those are the techniques that you use to kind of help yourself when you're feeling stressed out or when you're feeling overwhelmed and things like that. So I, you know, talk about those in the book. I talk about at-home remedies that you can use when you're dealing with depression or anxiety. Um, the other thing I noticed that people didn't really understand was they didn't know the difference between a therapist, a social worker, a psychologist, and a psychiatrist. Myself, I'm a marriage and family therapist, uh, mental health counselor, 
and you have an independent clinical social worker. I've really gotten a lot of good feedback about the book because people were like, wow, that gave me so much clarification. And so I'm just, I'm really excited because again, this podcast, you know, the topic has been wonderful and I just want to help give more clarity to people out there who may be thinking about going to see um, a mental health counselor, a mental health professional, and just don't know where to start and don't know like what to do or kind of get overwhelmed or you know maybe they're thinking well I don't think I'm depressed but maybe I'm depressed you know kind of just giving that tidbit and information and so what I've done is I've provided um, all the guests and all the subscribers to the podcast a free digital copy of that book. Welcome back this is my retorts podcast. The anxiety depression they, they can be so um confusing yeah they can be indeed really confusing you know the mind also is um a powerhouse our, our mind and our emotion is reflection of the state of our mind right so i heard you talk about um your victory on how you managed to um manage the rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia okay i don't think i got that correctly but the arthritis um flare-ups that came while you were still in the navy right uh, it kind of broke me down personally because, you know, after your rheumatoid arthritis, the diagnosis, you're also diagnosed with the fibromyalgia, fibromyalgia, okay, which is a serious <laughs> pain around your musculoskeletal regions. I had to go make some little research about that, and it's a very serious matter. I believe this must have triggered uh, a sort of mild or even a chronic depression. Uh, which I'm truly interested in knowing more about. And I want to know how you got over um, this depression. So I'll be displaying some pictures of, uh, you know, that you shared with us some time ago while you were in the army. So before we go into um, the simple but billion dollar tip on how you, you know, overcame this depression, because you're going to share that with us today is a huge billion dollar tip that you're going to share with us today. And what method did you use to do it? You know, how did you overcome this depression? It, was it chronic? Was it light? And how did you do it? Um, that's a really good question. Um, so it was devastating having to get out of the Navy. Um, it was kind of, it was definitely unexpected. Um, I was you know, had plans for my future in the military. And then all of a sudden I got hit with this disease and everything that I thought I wanted and, you know, was having a future for got snatched away. And so I was very depressed. Um, I was very anxious as well. I had an anxiety because I was like, what am I going to do now? I had plans for this, that, and the third for the next X amount of years. And now it's just gone. So, um, for me, dealing with the depression and the anxiety, um, I had to go to therapy. I had to. I was absolutely devastated. I was not a good wife. I was not a good mother because I was just moping around thinking about how I just ruined our future. It was the thought process in my mind was, oh my gosh, I just ruined everything for everybody in my family. And that wasn't the case at all. Obviously, I cannot control a disease that happened to come upon me. So when it came to dealing with my depression, and even still now, um, I still get depressed because there's things that I used to be able to do that I can't physically do anymore. But um, 
dealing with the depression therapy helped um switching my diet really helped which was mind-blowing to me because i was like how is food affecting depression that doesn't make sense but then after you do all the research you're like oh my gosh this makes perfect sense so changing my diet seeing a therapist um there is definitely a stigma at least here in the united states with black americans there's a stigma of i don't have to go see a therapist we can pray it away we can do this that and the third and that's not necessarily the case like God gave us therapists, so use them, you know? <laughs> and even as a, a therapist, you know, I, I have to see a therapist because I just, I couldn't cope. I had all these tools that I learned in all of my training and education, but I just didn't know how to apply them inwardly. So I had to go see a therapist. Um, I did use different medications, but through changing my diet and you know adding certain things to my diet i was able to get off of the medication um and then journaling so i love to write case can figure that out i am an author as well so <laughs> i do enjoy writing um so i found that keeping a journal was really helpful um sometimes i didn't always have a pen and paper and i was driving so there was like a voice recorder app on my phone so i think even just talking into my phone I could delete it later. Nobody would ever have to hear it, but I was getting it out, you know, like, so nobody has to hear me like snot going down my face, boohoo crying down the road <laughs> because I'm having a moment, but I could get it out and then, you know, listen back to it if I needed to and then delete it. So just different things like that. Um, there is no one shoe fits all for a person. Unfortunately, when it comes to mental health, it's pretty much trial and error. So you have to kind of find what works for you. Um, Another huge thing that helped with my depression is isolating myself. And I, I say that does not work for everybody. So if you are definitely dealing with suicidal thoughts and things like that, isolation is not the best thing for everybody. Me, yeah, no, we don't, we don't want you isolated in your own thoughts and then next thing you know, somebody's finding your body. We don't want that at all. Uh, you definitely have to know yourself. So I think dealing with the depression was a moment of self-learning for me because I got to try different things like what does help because things that were helping clients that I had dealing with severe depression were not working for me. And then things that I found that worked for me, I would tell my clients to try, but it wouldn't work for them. So it really is with any disorder and your mental health in general, it really is trial and error. So you have to find what works for you. And I think because I have you know, a husband and three kids and I run a business and I'm going to school, working on my dissertation. Um, for me, it was isolation. I needed a good day or two days just to myself so that I could, you know, watch a movie or watch a TV show or just write or do nothing, you know, whatever it was that I wanted to do. So I think self care in general is just very important when it comes to dealing with depression because you know, these depression and depressive thoughts are coming up because you think you're not good enough or, you know, you think the world's against you, but it's like when you have that self-care, you're showing yourself, hey, I do love you. You are worth taking care of. So those are some of the things that worked for me.
Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to talk about praying. I know, you know, we always have these, you know, those cute little simple prayers or, you know, even if I'm a prayer warrior at my church, so I know the power of prayer, but in that moment of isolation, these were the, I'm breaking down, can't always find the words, you know, tears pouring down my face, moaning because I have nothing, you know, they say when you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will intercede for you. Those are definitely Holy Spirit intercession moments for me because sometimes I don't know what to say because I was in such a, a place of desperation that I was like, God, you're going to have to do something because I, I don't even know what to say. I don't know where to start, but you know my situation because you're an all-knowing God. So it's it was literally just you know, on the bed, on the floor, wherever I decided to throw myself, you know, I was just there in that moment with God. And it's like, you know, you know what's going on. I need you to fix this. I need you to take this because I literally cannot do this anymore. I cannot carry this load. You didn't give it to me to carry in the first place, but here I am trying to drag it behind me. I need you to take this. Like it's that, that aha moment, like, oh, you know, leave your burdens at the altar. It was just one of those moments, I guess, for me. And sometimes we do, we carry so much for, for no reason, you know, but because we feel like we have to. And so, yes, there was definitely a lot of praying and uh, not the cute prayer either. I mean, like the drool, snot, slinging, crying out, you know, prayer. Um, and then yoga. Um, so I like yoga because I like, the stretching aspect of it. It's really good for my joints and things like that. I don't necessarily practice the Hinduism part behind it because it's not, you know, I'm a Christian. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't do all that, but I do like the actual stretching and being able to meditate on the word of God and scripture reading. Um, I do that a lot. Actually, something I learned from a patient of mine is called PBJ and it's prayer Bible journaling. And so in those times of isolation, I will, you know, have my moment with God and pray and then, you know, read scripture that will help me in those moments and then journal or write about it. And then, you know, if I take a time to just sit in the moment and ground myself, that's when I'm definitely having my meditation time on the word that I just read or just the goodness of God in general, because we get so caught up in the things that are holding us down that we forget to look at everything that he has blessed us with. And so those are other things that I'm doing in that moment. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, um, sleep is actually a big thing. However, when you're depressed, sometimes you can oversleep. So I would tell people typically, you know, um, I'm, I'm one of the people who will oversleep when I'm depressed. So I actually have insomnia, which, you know, got that from while I was in the Navy as well. Um, but so I have a difficult time sleeping. I have gone three days with no sleep and that's pretty typical. Um, I'll go a couple days with no sleep and then, you know, sleep for four hours and feel like I've had all the rest in the world. Um, however, when I am dealing with depression, I oversleep. So sleep is good for your body because that's the time that it takes to rejuvenate and heal itself and do the things it needs to do. So, but you can typically oversleep with depression or you can undersleep. So I would tell people, typically try to get about seven to eight hours of sleep. You know, if you have to force yourself to stay awake a little later at night, then do so. Set your alarm clock in the morning and get up when it goes off so you're not feeling the need to oversleep. Um, exercise, yes. Again, it's really hard to kind of drag yourself out of bed to do things sometimes when you're dealing with depression. So that's when I find that the yoga, you know, works better. Just sitting in the moment, meditating, the PB&J, the prayer, Bible journaling is super helpful. Um, for me, I think it's more, I have to do mental, like mental activities more so than physical, but for some people exercise does help because, you know, we all heard exercise helps to boost your endorphins, which is the happy hormone. So then exercising does work for people. But again, when you're in the throes of depression, it's really hard to get up and motivate yourself to go do something physical. Like the last thing I want to do when I'm depressed is like, yeah, let me go get on this treadmill and go run a whole mile. Like that's not, it's not what I'm thinking, you know? So, um, but depression, you know, it, it affects everybody differently. So we have these set symptoms. However, how somebody deals with it is so different. Um, I've had people that singing, they did karaoke and that just brought them out of their depression. For me, I'm not singing anything, you know, <laughs> but that's me. So again, as I said before, it's definitely trial and error. Like try exercising. It doesn't have to be a full mile. It doesn't have to be this whole, you know, hour long or 30 minute workout, but just doing, go for a walk up and down your driveway. Even if it only takes you five minutes, you're outside. You know, if it's a nice day, you're getting the sunlight you are getting your heart pumping, blood flowing and things like that. So, you know, hearing birds chirping, looking around at the beauty around you. And, you know, whether you're in the city or deep off in the woods, like I am, you know, we're on 85 acres. So nothing but trees and birds and deer there, you know, so it, but it doesn't matter. You can be in the desert and still look around and see a beautiful blue sky, hills, mountains, ocean view, whatever it is, but it kind of gets you out of your head. So even if it's just walking down to your driveway and back, that, I mean, that can help give you the little kick jumpstart that you need to get out of the depression. Um, eating habits, you know, some people don't eat when they're depressed. Some people overeat when they're depressed. 
I kind of go in between. Um, so there's times when I'm dealing with depression and I don't eat anything at all. And then there's times where I don't care and I'm just like, give me everything. Like I want all the fried food, the chocolate, the unhealthy stuff. And so it just really depends on, I guess, what you're dealing with and how you are. But again, I would say, try to be more mindful of what you're eating. Again, it's hard when you're feeling depressed and you just don't care, you know, then you're just either not eating or eating. Drink water at least, whatever, whether you overeat or undereat. If you're drinking some water in between there, at least you're getting, you know, if you're under eating, the water is gonna help, I guess, keep you full, but at least you'll be hydrated. You know, if you're overeating and you're drinking the water, then it will help you overeat less. So, um, but again, this is all, it's all trial and error. It really is. You have to try and figure out what works for you. So, I mean, if you deal with depression, if you're in a moment where you're not depressed right now, I would just say, go make a list, go do some research, see what people use that, um, is not necessarily medication. I mean, medication works for some people. Um, I would caution, be careful with medication though, because it can actually make you feel worse. Or, you know, if you start a medication and you feel like you don't want to take it anymore, I would say go see your doctor first before you stop taking it because I've also had patients start a medication and with some of these medications, you have to lower the dosage very slowly versus stopping it because these patients, they'll take it for three weeks. They say they feel better. In week number four, they start to feel their same self, like really depressed. So they stop taking the medication. And then what happens is these medications are altering the chemical in your brain. So now you're going from, okay, I felt great to know I feel crappy again. And then you stop your medication without, it's called titrating down off of it. So coming and lowering the dosage slowly, and then you end up suicidal. So I've had patients where they are on a medication, they stop it themselves without seeing their doctor, and now they're sitting in an inpatient mental health facility because they're trying to kill themselves. So even if you're taking a medication, I would caution you, you know, be careful with that. But again, you know yourself better than any doctor, any therapist, anyone out there. So trial and error, if you're in the, if you know you get depressed and you're in a moment where you're of clear mind, and you're not feeling depressed right now, do some research, write down a list of things that you can try to help yourself get out of the depression. So you see this whole point that you're making about the, um, about the medication, it's, it's a huge one because um, I think um, a lot of us will be mistaken medication for the therapy, right? So mm. medication is, um, should I call it taking up drugs or something? While uh, therapy is about, more of what you should do, actions to be taken. I wanna get that clearly. So for me personally, as a therapist, when I do see my patients and they come into me and they're saying that, you know, and I, I see that they are dealing with depression, um, we kind of scale it and I see, you know, what is their environment like? It just kind of what is their daily activity? Where's their mindset at, even though they're dealing with depression, they could still be very clear in their thoughts and thought process. Um, and then other times I have people come in and they say, no, you know, if I had a knife right now, I would probably just end it all. People like that, I would definitely say, okay, let's try a medication because we need to get you stable ASAP so you're not doing any self-harm. And then other people 
who are just like, yeah, I'm just really kind of sad and just haven't really had any good moments in months. Then those people, I'm like, okay, well, let's try this, that, and the third. Um, a psychiatrist is typically who people will see, although your primary care physician or your doctor, MD, can prescribe medication. Typically, people will see a psychiatrist who is an individual who went to school, like went to med school and did a year of psychology. So they have the psychology background, a small amount of psychology background, but then they also specialize in the medication. So that's who somebody would see for medication piece. But yes, you are correct in saying the therapist is the one that gives you the tools that you need to kind of, because the medication can only do so much. The medication can only bring you so far. You have to work the rest of the way to get yourself out of it. And so that's where therapy comes in and a therapist would come in okay. is we give you the tools okay. and things like that. Yeah. To use in order to kind of get yourself out of it. Um, yeah. Hopefully that explains it. I was thinking something else and then I just lost it, but <laughs> if I think of it again, I'll bring it up. <laughs> All right. No worries. So before I go to the last part uh, where you tell us more about your coaching program, because your coaching program is super packed and rich, I want you to actually share with us your um, secret ingredient of ginger, lemon, and honey. How do you use it and what does it really do? And what other ways and methods can we use it? I, I want to know because this is actually going to replace anything coffee for us. Yeah. <laughs> so it does, it does help... Uh with decreasing your sugar intake, that's for sure. Especially when it comes to some of the artificial sugars and dyes and coloring and things like that that you can find in your coffee. But I mean, ginger, honey, lemon, I use it in a tea. So I'll get my hot water and then I use a ginger essential oil and do like two drops of that in there. And then I'll add my honey and then some lemon oil or a sliced lemon and it, is tasty and then it has so many different health properties because I mean it helps with the inflammation it helps with your mood it helps with your skin it helps I mean there's just the list goes on there's like nothing that it does not help with it helps to detox because of the lemon and the honey has antimicrobial just I mean there's so much good stuff there's so much good stuff in that one drink um, itself and it's tasty so um, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with, um, if you're trying to lose weight, it's helpful. If you're trying to detox, it's helpful. If you're sick, it's super helpful. Um, you know, if you have sore throat or anything like that, I mean, there's really, I feel like there's nothing that can't help. <laughs> I really do. Um, gosh, I could probably go on and on and on about it, but I mean, I feel like if, if you, I feel like if you just try it, like, and I use it in a tea, so I do the hot water, like a tablespoon of honey, two drops of ginger oil, a sliced lemon or two drops of lemon oil, stir it up, drink it hot. And I mean, you can just feel the difference. Mm, amazing. Tasty. I can't really imagine the taste yet, but I'm, I'm still trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, um, that actually reminds me of something here in Nigeria that we call um, Bobo Nise. I don't really know the meaning. Okay, yeah, I think someone told me. I asked, and he said, it's a Yoruba language here in my country. Bobo um, Nise, they said it can solve any problem. It can cure any disease. I don't know how true that is because I've never tasted that. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, 
you see ginger lemon and honey is something i actually am gonna try that out because i think i want my slim i want um i want um maybe to have some detox and maybe just to boost my health control my sugar intake and so much yes. more. so notwithstanding yes. i believe we're going to get more outlined um, benefits of this ginger lemon and honey and we can share with our audience so i want you to tell us more about your coaching program what is it about what do you cover just share all the powerful tools yeah yeah okay so uh, <laughs> um holistic whole body care coaching is something that i developed it's unique to my company mission counseling and consulting um and again so i have all this education and training i am a certified pharmacy technician i'm a certified integrative health nutrition coach uh, licensed therapist i'm working on my dissertation for my phd in developmental psychology I have a master's in developmental psychology, organizational leadership, a licensed minister. I mean, I feel like I cover a broad spectrum of things. <laughs> um, and as before, when I said earlier in the podcast, um, when people would come to see me as a therapist, they would have all these issues and then they would tell me this whole long list of medication they were on and I'm just sitting there cringing like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're taking all of this. And it was the same thing so i mean even before then i think this program was created before i realized it and so i say that because when i got out of the navy i was on like 10 different medications because again the insomnia so i couldn't sleep so i had to take a sleep medication um i had to take medication for the chronic pain for the inflammation and then i was taking these different medications and then i was having side effects so i was taking prednisone and it was making me gain weight oh. it was making me gain so much weight and I was like what is this I'm so fluffy in all these spots and I don't know what's going on <laughs> you're beautiful right? yeah thank you thank you I'm still like I'm still fluffy like this is I'm still dealing with the effects because as quickly as the weight has came, came on it did not go off nearly as fast <laughs> But so I have all these different medications causing all these other issues. And so then the doctors started doing what I refer to as medication stacking. So I had like these five medications I was taking and then I was having side effects. So they're like, oh, here, we're going to add this one more to help with this side effect. And then I'd have other side effects. And they're like, okay, we're going to add this to help with those side effects. And we're going to add this, and we're going to add that. And before I knew it, I was on 10 medication. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I said I cannot. And I'm the worst person when it comes to taking, I mean, even a vitamin, I can't remember to take vitamins throughout the day. So I was like, you know, really struggling because I was like, I have 10 different medications. And out of the 10, some of those I had to take like two and three times a day. And so I'm sitting here with like the, you, have you, I don't know if you guys have it over there, the days of the week medication. It's like a medication holder for the days of the week. And then it has like your AM, afternoon, PM. I mean, I was looking like an old lady with this huge medication. Yeah, this huge medication uh, organizer. And I was like, I, I cannot do this. I was like 29 at the time. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I am not even 30 and I'm falling apart. And so um, I was in school for psychology, my master's in psychology. And so I was doing research for just random stuff anyway. So I was like, I need to find a better way to take care of myself because I'm over here, I'm still falling apart. I still can't move. 
I'm walking around feeling high half the time because of all the different medications I'm on. I didn't feel like myself. So I started doing research on um, anything besides medication that could help with the symptoms I was having with the depression, with the, the pain and things like that. And so I was finding, you know, change your diet, change the foods you eat. And I'm from the South, you know, and in the United States, when you're from the South, you eat a lot of fried food, a lot of butter, a lot of sugar, you know, and they say if your sweet tea, if your straw isn't standing up straight in it, then it doesn't have enough sugar in it. So, <laughs> so I already ate like super unhealthy stuff. So when I was looking at these dietary changes, I was like, oh, okay, well, what else is there? And so um, I found essential oils work well, and then just taking things out of my diet. And the way I did it was I didn't do it all in one shot because I knew that it would probably <laughs> it'd be a little too much for me personally. So I just started doing small changes and I started to feel so much better. And so again, like my holistic whole body care coaching came accidentally and before I even realized it. So I did all this stuff and was helping myself out and ended up eventually getting off of every single medication I was on. Awesome. And so, yeah. yeah. So now I just, the things that I have used over the years is what I use and I didn't do medication. So as a therapist, when people are coming to me and I hear them, uh, because I did have a couple of clients that did have fibromyalgia and they're also taking all these antipsychotic medications to help deal with their bipolar and help deal with their depression. And I'm sitting here like, oh my gosh, like if you could just use this essential oil or if you just you know, added some yogurt or kefir or something to your diet that would help so much. But because I was there as a therapist and because they were seeing me as a therapist, I couldn't tell them how to do their dietary changes because they weren't seeing me as an integrative nutrition health coach client. So when I had the hat of a therapist on, I had to stay in therapy mode. I had to deal with their emotional um, issues. I couldn't help them with nutrition or anything like that. Same thing if I, you know, wearing a hat of a minister, and it, it depends on your church as well, but I was there to help counsel people through uh, spiritual things. So, you know, I wasn't necessarily there to help them with their diet or help them with their mental health or things like that. Or if I was working with somebody as a um, integrative nutrition health coach, that gave me a little more leeway, but again, I was supposed to be focused on food, their diet, you know, they want to do weight loss or they want to, you know, eat better. They want to something like that. So I couldn't necessarily get into the therapy part. And so with the holistic whole body care coaching, I designed a way where I could take my knowledge of medication and I could take my knowledge of therapy, knowledge of nutrition and things like that. And, and the spiritual aspect, because when you think of a person, we're not just mental health, we're not just our physical health, we're not just spiritual, it's all of that. You can't work at it independently. And I talk about this in my book, My Mental Health Matters, but we're interdependent. So your spirituality connects with your physical and your mental. Your physical connects with your mental, your environmental, like it, it all connects together like a clock is how I always explain it. You know everything every aspect of us are like independent gears but just like a clock it all works together in order to make sure you work to get the most efficient and effective and so with the holistic whole body care coaching i'm able to work on all of those parts 
of the whole person at the same time. There are no regulations to it because again, it's unique to my company, I created it. So the government isn't um, telling me that I need certain licenses and things like that to do it because I created it. There is no regulation necessarily to it. However, everything that I touch on, I am trained in. So I am trained in integrative nutrition. I am trained as a minister. I am trained and licensed as a therapist. And so, um, let's just show you real quick because I actually have the workbook with me. Yeah, so I yeah. can create a workbook to go with the program. And I mean, I, people have gotten such great results within the first month. It's like, I can't even, it's so amazing. Like I'm so excited for them because, you know, people who are coming with me, coming to me dealing with depression, as a therapist, I can find out what is it that is causing the depression because, you know, it's a symptom of something else going on. And so you find out they have a chronic illness like I had. And so it's like, okay, well, that's what's causing your depression. So let's give you tools to help you through your depressed moments. But then let's also help look and see what's going on with your chronic illness. Like, why are you still having um, irritable bowel syndrome or something like that? Sometimes you can find like the ginger helps with the digestion the honey will help with your digestion and things like that. So then giving them things like lemon ginger honey tea to try once or twice a day was helping to change their symptoms and therefore they were having decreased periods of depression. So again, it kind of all goes in hand in hand. And so I'm just, I'm really super excited about it. And just anybody who's having any kind of issues, I invite you to come on into the program, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The program is super, super packed because, well, I, I was going through it even before I, you know, we jumped on that call the la the first time we did. It, it was so much of value to be shared there, and you know, the testimonials is what's important because ah, I was glad that you mentioned someone with the fibromyalgia. I think I'm still having that as a, a twister. <laughs> yeah. So the fibromyalgia, um, you know. It's, it's something really chronic. And that actually took me to the aspect of diabetes. Um, does this honey, lemon, and um, um, ginger, you know, help in, you know, reduction of sugar? Yeah, you talked about sugar intake, it controls it. Does it help to, you know, kind of reduce the sugar in the body? How can this help maybe um, diabetic patients? Diabetics, there is, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, there is an essential oil that can be used to help decrease your um, sugar levels, your blood sugar levels. I don't, I cannot recall if it's the ginger or peppermint. I would definitely have to look it up because there is something um, that does help with the sugar, blood sugar intake. I believe it is the ginger. I'm not mistaken. Okay. Again, I don't, I don't have it memorized all. Um, I have a, a huge book at home actually that kind of walks you through learning about the different things that the essential oils are good for. Um, I will tell you though, um, something that's chronic here in the United States, again with black Americans, is high blood pressure. That's something that's definitely very chronic here, especially in the Southern states. Cause like I said, we like our fried foods. We like all the sugar and things like that. So there's a lot of high cholesterol and um, high blood pressure. And so my mom was actually on blood pressure medication. And when I was introducing her to the essential oils and things like that, 
there's an essential oil that she started using, um, neroli, and she was actually able to control her blood pressure and she no longer, uh, for the past, I think, two years now, has no longer been on blood pressure medication. Oh. Her blood pressure has been perfect. Amazing. So, yes. Well, you see, yeah. God created everything and gave us nature as you know, yes. the solution to all this. Just dependent on us to make the research, yes. find out and use it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, um, this is the last thing I would love you to drop with us. What has been your number one motivation in the success of your business generally? Oh, the number one motivation. I like, I really think it's to share what I have because if God can do it for one, he can definitely do it for another. And the fact that I have been told by doctors, uh, people who had family members with rheumatoid arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, uh, I know we talked about the fibromyalgia, but rheumatoid arthritis, I mean, it will disform your joints. So like your hands will start to twist. If you Google the pictures, I hope you don't have a weak stomach, but let me like people's feet and hands start to twist and bend out. Um, yeah, it almost looks like a tree, like how the branches just start kind of, it's really hideous. And so <laughs> um, I had a doctor one time when I first got diagnosed, I saw him and he was like, oh, rheumatoid arthritis. He's like, you're so young. He said, my mother-in-law died from that. And I was like, why would you tell me that? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like, I'm not even 30 and you're over here. I'm like, so then I was like, I'm gonna die. That's it, like I'm done. But um, <laughs> it, it's such a painful disease. They both are, but um, it's just being able to take the knowledge and the information that I have been blessed to obtain, being able to share that with people, that's, I mean, that's, it's so overwhelming. It's, it's such an overwhelming feeling of just gratitude and thankfulness on my half. And yes, I know people always sometimes complain about the cost of it. Yeah. You know, like, oh my gosh, your program's so expensive and things like that. But my program may seem pricey, but I guarantee it's cheaper than any medical bill you'll ever get. And the fact that, you know, preventative care ends up being less expensive in the long run than, you know, having to repair which is pretty much what you're doing. When you go to a doctor and you have these chronic illnesses and things like that, you're repairing the damage that you did because you didn't take information like holistic whole body care coaching and apply it, you know? So if you have a car, I think of it as a car, you know, you take your car in for maintenance work routinely, you get the oil changed and things like that. Yes, it costs you money, you know, you gotta change your tires every few years or however often you're driving, maybe you gotta do it a little more often, but this maintenance work may seem like it costs you so much in the moment. However, if you don't do this work and you end up with four bald tires, your oil hasn't been changed, your engine hasn't been tuned up, that, you know, that bill of what would have cost you maybe I don't know, $600 on the high end is now going to cost you three grand because you didn't do the maintenance. Yeah. And so yeah. I just, I really, like sometimes I get really teary about it because I get so excited to hear people say, um, like, oh my gosh, my health has improved so much. You know, like I am no longer in all this pain. I'm no longer, you know, crippled. And a lot of times when I do still go to the doctor because I do have to still routinely go, 
um, because with the rheumatoid arthritis also there's um, liver damage so your organs can start to shut down so I do have to go routinely to get checked my doctors always say you have the highest rheumatoid factor I have ever seen like and according to them I shouldn't be walking I shouldn't be able to um, you know not without the assistance of canes or anything like that I should be wheelchair bound there's no way that I'm up and active as I am according to the doctors and they're like you're not even on medication. They're like, what are you doing? And so I tell them, I was like, first of all, it's nothing but the grace of God. Like um, God gets, <laughs> he gets all the glory and all this because without him, I am nothing. Like without him, there is no me. There's none of this, nothing that I do. There's nothing. And so to God be the glory, first of all, for keeping me. But then also I was like, I educated myself on nutrition and the things that God did provide us with here on the earth. He gives everything we needed to heal ourselves. And so instead of using medication as the go-to all the time, I like and fully enjoy teaching people how to use the things that we already have provided to us. You don't need a prescription to go to the store to get a head of cauliflower or to get ginger or honey or lemon or things like that you don't I don't need to write you a prescription you can go to your local dollar store um, and get healthy food I provide a list from the dollar store of healthy foods that you can get so it doesn't have to be expensive because that's the other thing I hear from people is oh eating healthy and taking care of yourself is so expensive it doesn't have to be I give you tips and tricks and ways on how to do it in the book but just you know having people be able to go out and it's, it's empowering too, because they're like, I can do this. I did this on my own. I don't have to go wait for a doctor to give me a prescription for something. Because, you know, other times we see, um, there was a medication I was on for chronic pain. It was um, oxycodone, which is a very strong narcotic. And so I had to get, I had to get a prescription from my doctor and then they can only prescribe it for so long until they can't prescribe it anymore and you have to go to something different because it is highly addictive. And so people become drug addicts using the drug. And so I get pleasure because one, I can start you off on something in my program. You never need a prescription. You're not gonna get addicted in a bad way. Like it's not gonna damage your, your organs. It's not gonna you know destroy your liver, your kidney or things like that. Like these are things that are helping you in so many more ways than just your physical health. So, I mean, I think that's, I know I kind of rambled on there for a minute, but I think that's really the true joy that I get out of my company. That's the, the pleasure that I get is giving people healthier alternatives and empowerment in their own health, mind, body, and soul. Wow. See, the love of sharing is, is immeasurable. It's, uh, it, it, can, it can't be defined because um, the, true, the true joy of any um person that loves people is to share 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 that's why we also share the gospel we share the yes. love we share we share we share so sharing is something that you know that actually proves that we really love our neighbors we love ourselves and you know sharing the ginger the lemon and the honey billion dollar tip i think um that's already a huge share right there and i want to say a big thank you just for that so um, it's just that it's a podcast. I would have gone ahead and maybe start making money from that. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So you see, um, this podcast has been so loaded with blessings and testimonies and grace because uh, 
the doctor saying, what were you doing? It's, it's something that can get me hysterical right there. It's, it's a big testimony. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. It's huge. And God is so good. Like you mentioned, God has given us everything we need. It's just for us to leverage it. And so I want to just close the curtain for now because we can go on and on and on and on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I want to say a big thank you to you for being on today's podcast. We look forward to having you on more of our podcast and it will be a blessing because um, next podcast is going to cover something else and we don't know the topic yet. We know listeners and they're like, yeah, what's the next topic? Calm down. We're going to figure that out. And we're going to share with everybody on the Smiley Talks podcast. So I want to say a big thank you to all our listeners. And we look forward to seeing you in our next podcast with Jendai A. Stafford. <laughs> thank you, Jendai. Thank you. Discover yourself, grow, and transform your world here at Smiley Talks with your host, Joseph Paul Smile.